and welcome to series six of In Suspense, a podcast and vodcast for fans and writers of crime fiction, and a series of minisodes with author and editor Phoebe Morgan. Phoebe Morgan is a best-selling author and award-winning editor. She studied English at Leeds University after growing up in the Suffolk countryside. She has previously worked as a journalist and now edits commercial fiction for a publishing house during the day and writes her own books in the evenings. She lives in London and you can follow her on Twitter, Instagram at Phoebe Ann Morgan, Facebook at Phoebe Morgan Author, or find her blog about publishing and writing, which is really good, by the way, at www.phoebemorganauthor.com. And we'll put all those details on the on the um, site for you. We'll list it on the on the website. Um, <clears throat> her books have sold over 225,000 copies and been translated into 10 languages, including French, Italian, Norwegian, Polish and Croatian. Her new thriller, The Wild Girls, will be published by William Morrow in the US. Her books are also on sale in Canada and Australia. Phoebe has also contributed short stories to Afraid of the Light, a 2020 crime writing anthology with proceeds going to the Samaritans, Noir from the Bar, a crime collection with proceeds going to the NHS, and Afraid of the Christmas Lights, with all profits going to domestic abuse charities. Her four thrillers can be read in any order, and uh, her next book, The Trip, will publish in February 2023. And you can find links to buy Phoebe's books in the description of the podcast and on our YouTube channel. Yes, I won't forget to do that. <laughs> um, so as before, um, each episode will be around, each mini-sode, I should say, will be around 10 minutes long, and we'll focus on different aspects of the editing process. So without further ado, let's um, crack on with the lovely Phoebe Morgan. Thank you. Hello and welcome to our fourth mini-sode um, and today we're talking about characterisation. Um, now I sometimes, this is something that crops up for me, um, especially when I've got say two female characters um, side by side, I often sort of get that in the structural edits, can you find a way to make these more um, distinguishable um, and I just wondered um, what advice would you give to writers who have more than one point of view and need their characters to stand out from each other? Yeah, I think this is quite a common problem, isn't it? And I always write in multiple perspectives as well. And I quite often get feedback from my editor saying, actually, these people all sound the same or it just sounds like you've got four women and they're all really similar. Mm -hmm. uh, so one of the key things that I think can help is um, uh, perspective. So it might be that you have one character speaking from the first person and you have the other speaking in third person and I think that can help to if there is a sort of protagonist who's sort of the key group say there's a cast of four and there's one character who is going to be the real driving force of the novel then maybe having her or, or him in first person could help because I think that helps the reader just really connect with them on a kind of tighter level than if they're slightly more distanced in third person Obviously, you can play around with second person as well. I actually really like second person. I think it can make for a really interesting read. So I think just, just playing around a little bit and trying out those different perspectives could be really helpful in terms of just differentiating the voices. Um, I'd also say just putting the time into thinking about who those characters are, either before you start writing or even while you're writing and doing almost separate writing exercises about those characters. So 
maybe if you're struggling because they all sound the same it's about doing four different mind maps of those characters and just mapping out you know who are who are they you know what's their driving force what is their flaw what is their overall goal that they want to get to by the end of the novel and then asking more simplistic questions as well so what do they like and dislike you know what was their upbringing like what's their mum like what's their favorite thing to do of a Sunday morning and just getting to know them like you would a person in real life and not all of those facts and not all of that information will probably end up on the page but I think if it's in your head it will sort of come out in your writing anyway because you'll just know that person so it's as if you're writing non-fiction about each other or about your group of friends they wouldn't sound the same because they're so individualistic and so I think it's about treating your characters as though they're real people and, and putting that time in to get to know them before you start writing um, you can also differentiate them physically I always forget to do this so I quite often just don't describe my characters in terms of what they look like I think that must I think maybe I'm just not a very visual person um, but my editors are always like okay but we have no idea what these women actually look like so just describing them as well I think can can help them making them look a little bit different from each other giving them sort of more distinct character characteristics um and I think it can help to draw on real life and I always you know write little notes down in my phone when I'm out and about and if I see someone who's interesting looking or a little bit quirky or they're wearing something really that I've never seen before then you know just making little notes and, and sort of dropping those into the novel can help as well um I'm not saying you've got to have this cast of like really wildly eclectic characters <laughs> but I think you have just got to think of them as real people and and real people do have little insecurities and quirks and habits and ways of dressing and ways of being. Um, so it's making sure that they, they don't read sort of like cardboard cutouts and they, they read like real people. And if you use inspiration from your life, I think that's I think that's fine. As long as you're not describing a close friend in a negative way or anything like that. Um, just have to be careful. <laughs> that's great. I mean, I don't know whether you, you've probably covered some of this. The next question I was going to ask you, how can we ensure that our characters are both believable and interesting and maybe that believable is yeah yeah and I think I think it's, it's that they don't always have to be perfect and they don't have to be likable I mean I'm a really big fan of dislikable characters I think I always love Liz Nugent's books I don't know if you guys have read Liz oh Nugent, yes yeah Irish crime writer um and I think most of her characters are quite dislikable but I just think they're amazing they're so cool and dark and she writes them so well and I think some writers worry that in order to get published you've got to have a character that an editor will like or will fall in love with and that's not the case I mean especially I suppose in crime it's not the case but I think what you do need to have is, is a character who is um, easy to understand and, and to empathise with so even if you're writing from the perspective of, of a serial killer for example we do need to know what's made them that way and whether you know we do need to sort of try and understand them even if they are on, on paper you know someone who's very difficult to understand um I think the only problem comes where you know if you have a, a character suddenly do something that feels really out of keeping with their behavior and has no explanation other than that they're a bit of a psychopath you know I find that it doesn't really work mm. for me I just think well it feels a bit lazy in terms of the writing and you know there there are people who are psychopaths but then it's about okay well what is a psychopath and and let's explore that a little bit more and and let's understand the brain of a psychopath and I think yeah it's it's just about making them into real you know 3D people that have problems and flaws and aren't perfect but they have good qualities as well sometimes and I think yeah it's, it's taking the time to to get to know them as real people um 
and yeah, I think the more the more you read and, and the more you even watching TV as well, like the more kind of you absorb, the more you can, you get better at that sort of thing. Um, I think it's it's kind of quite a craft characterization. Mm, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, now, my next question is going to sound quite basic, but um, obviously it comes it comes on instructor edits quite a lot. Can you make this character more relatable? What is it that an editor's asking for when they're asking for a character to be more relatable? Well, I think that sometimes comes up more in book club fiction or sort of uplifting fiction. I don't often ask for it in crime in quite the same way because I think, I think, so, yeah, I don't know. I think that sometimes people get confused between relatable and likable. And I think mm. it comes back to what I was saying in that the character needs to feel as though they could be a real person sort of sat next to you in the room and they might take actions that are hard for you to sort of get behind in the first place but we need to be able to you know understand what it is in their background or what it is in their brain chemistry that makes them behave in that way um and I think in terms of sort of being relatable I suppose it's it's about connection so it's about that connection between um the reader or the editor and the the character um and I think if a character behaves in a way that just doesn't feel true to life at all or doesn't feel as though it makes sense with what we know about them as a person then I think that means they are quite hard to relate to um so I think really it's the more the best you know the more effort you put in as a writer to knowing who that character is and taking that time to to get to know them as a person the more that will come across in in your writing and and the more that a reader will be able to relate to them um and I think you know it can be really little small things that you add in like little details and it might be that to make someone feel really relatable you add in something that feels quite universal so it might be something they do before they go to bed that just feels like a sort of relatable habit that a lot of people have or it might be just letting us into their psyche a little bit more about what they like and what they dislike you know it can be it can be quite simple but I think some people fall into the trap of thinking oh well it's all in my head so I don't need to write any of it down and it, and it doesn't need to come across and the reader will just pick up on it without realizing but you do need to sort of sprinkle little details in that make that character feel as though they are a real person um and you know it might be that every now and again they sort of need to do something that that feels more grounded in reality and feels as though what, something that one of your friends might do or one of your colleagues might do um, so I think it, a, lot, a lot of it is just about knowledge and about making that person feel really 3D and rounded. And I do think people don't don't always spend enough time on, mm. on doing that because they worry mostly about the plot. And that makes sense. And plot is really important. But I think the difference between a plot, sorry, a book that people really remember and they don't remember is, is often the character. I think a lot of the time people remember characters over the actual plots themselves. Um, so for example, in Liz Nugent's novels, I can't, because I read them a while ago, I can't remember all of the ins and outs of the plots, but I can remember her characters. Um, yeah. And the same with the Susie Steiner novels. She has this amazing character called Manon Bradshaw, the police procedural novels. And I could not tell you what the plots are about, but Manon as a character was like so great and amazing. And she always listened to like the shipping forecast before she went to sleep. And mm. that's something that my mum does. So for me, I found that relatable because it felt very true. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's about finding those little details and sort of adding them in to make the character feel real. 
brilliant. brilliant. I can't wait to listen back to this so I can make, yeah, make some <laughs> notes. What are the most common issues you see, Phoebe, with characterization in the novels that you edit? I mean, is it, for instance, overusing tropes like alcoholism? I mean, I speak as one who did have a recovering alcoholic as one of my characters, but, you know, is it things like that or is it is it more broader, you know? more broader I can't speak English broader broader yeah I, I think sometimes there are tropes especially in crime novels so I think you know like you said there's sometimes there's detective novels where you've got a sort of alcoholic detective who lives on their own and doesn't have any personal relationships until they suddenly do um but I don't, I don't necessarily mind that as long as it's done well I think it's it's sort of if you ha- I don't mind a trope as long as you can bring it to life and you can sort of put your unique stamp on it that doesn't necessarily bother me um I think sometimes it's just a complete lack of characterization so just really this the the person okay they have a name and you, you maybe they know they have brown hair but you really don't know anything else about them and they're sort of going through the book without actually you know getting to know us at all um I think that's one of the most common things I see um as I said I don't mind having dislikable characters but I think a character's behavior has to make sense throughout even if they're sort of changing maybe they're going through some sort of emotional growth but if they start the novel as one person and end it as a completely different person that's quite difficult to get your head around because mm. I don't I don't believe that people change to that extent in the course of a lifetime and certainly not in the course of a you know a couple of hundred pages and so it's about yeah making sure that you don't take your character on such a journey that it's not believable I think they've always got to kind of remain true to who they were when we first met them um so I noticed that quite a bit as well um and then yeah I, I think I think sometimes there are characters that just sound the same you know you might have if you're if you're dealing with a big cast and and I think again that kind of a, another point from that is that sometimes people try and cram too many characters into one novel so I always try and kick, tell my authors to keep it quite quite small and quite compact and just have a sort of handful of key characters if you need but really within that there should only be one or two that we really like connect with and that we really want to root for or not root for but I, I think sometimes if you have more than that it can just feel really unwieldy and mm. it can it can just feel as though there isn't Space on the page should develop them all and there's just not enough airtime or not enough oxygen for all of those people to feel like true characters and so you end up with a sort of very big cast but a very sort of cardboard cutout cast um, and that doesn't work either so I I often say to writers you know can could these three characters actually be one character like could we make that work with the plot could this scene be seen from their point of view or could we not see it at all and and often once you start thinking about that even though it can feel overwhelming there usually are ways to trim your cast down Mm. and then to make the cast that you have left as strong as it possibly can be. Mm. That's really good advice actually and I remember with the rumour when I first had my first round of structural edits and I had quite a lot of women in this book club and um, Sarah said to me you know can we can we lose some of these characters because there are too many and I at first it was the first time I'd been edited I thought she was wrong I thought no we need it's a book club you know Mm. but uh so I but I did I I I listened to her and I got rid of as many as I thought I could get rid of and actually even you know I still see reviews sometimes so a little bit too few many characters in the book club I think we even cutting them I still had too many (laughs) I think that's true and people worry about scenarios like you say so maybe it's a book club or it's a school and they think well hang on there has to be lots of characters because there are lots of characters in a school 
playground or a staff room but actually it's about giving the sense of a staff room mm. or of a book group without actually having to name each of the 10 12 characters or teachers yeah. that will, will be there um and I also think readers do get confused and we know when mm. you're reading you don't want to be in a position where you're sort of constantly flipping back the page to say you know who's this character or who who they're related to or what's going on here what was their name again and because the more time the reader spends doing that the less time there is for them to actually focus on your story and you want your readers to just be completely absorbed in the in the reading experience you don't want them to have to be constantly second guessing who everybody is um so I think that is sometimes problematic as well and often actually when authors try and write a really big family cast mm -hmm. that can be problematic because they're very keen to sort of show you the family tree and show you how x is related to y and actually you're just like oh my god like what is going on like yeah. it, it, it's hard to follow and so and it might not be for you because you're the writer but it's important to put yourself in the reader's shoes and think actually can can they keep this amount of people in their heads probably not and that doesn't mean they're stupid or they're not able to read it's just that actually when you're reading you want to focus on the story and mm. the characters that you do know and not spend too much time worrying about who's who and names, of course, because I often seem to end up with characters whose the initial of their name is the same. They'll have a Brenda yeah. and Barbara or something. That like, happens all the time. That? Yeah. That's, one of the big, that's one of the most common things I tell my authors. I'll say everybody in this book has a name beginning with a C. And yeah. they'll be like, oh, my God, I didn't even realise they had yeah. done that. I do and that. I do it too. Or they just sound the same. You know, you'll have like no, a, isn't it? a Polly and a Polly and yeah. a Claire, Claire and a child. And like everyone sounds the same. And I just think, well, why have you done this? There's so many names to choose from. <laughs> my, my letter's J. As it just so hey, you know, really? everything's yeah. James. <laughs> but I keep the more books I write, the more names that keep coming up. I've coming up the same. Like I've got two books, Safe at Home and All the Wicked Games with a Lucan, and I didn't even know. Oh, really? Until yeah. like and it's too late now, but it's so funny how you don't notice. Yeah, yeah, I have to really force myself. To be honest, I usually change names, so I'll write a book mm. with a complete cast of names, and then I will go back and do a find and replace and change them. Yeah, um, I can never remember. Like if you ask me what my characters are called in like one of my books, <laughs> I like literally can't remember. Um, and I always have to Google interesting names and have like a baby name book to go and choose yeah, things. and I have to force myself to choose like a different name because otherwise, yeah, it'll all be called Ben. That seems to be the one I. <laughs> yeah, I've got a few Bens. <laughs> But that's great. Lots of tips on characterisation there. Thanks a lot. <laughs> well, sadly, Phoebe, that's all we've got time for today. Um, thank you for listening to our minisode with author and editor Phoebe Morgan. And thank you, Phoebe, for sharing your expertise with us today. Thank you. Yes, um, and if you've enjoyed this mini so do remember to check out uh, Phoebe's full episode, which is Series 5, Episode 7 on Location, Location, Location. But for now, um, it's a time to say goodbye um, from Phoebe. Goodbye Bye, from Leslie you. and goodbye Bye. from me. Bye.